Well, good afternoon, uh, everyone. It's a little warm in here, right? Is it just me? It's hot, right? Um, <clears throat> as you know, um, when I spoke in January, I gave a word for 2019, and it was about shoring up our foundation. And it's been really um, gratifying and great to see how really the church uh, for the word um, about hearing from God, obeying what we hear, um, and being mature enough uh, to be able to obey because we are shoring up our foundation. And then we're doing the reading through the Bible. I hear that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel, I think like we have over 50 people um, who are signed up and who are regularly reading through the Bible, which is awesome when you consider that there's only like maybe a little less than 100 people here. So at least half of you guys are doing the app. And some of you are not doing the app, but reading through the Bible on your own. So I know that there's even more than just those who have signed on. Uh, in fact, I was talking to Rachel, uh, who's in Guatemala. Do you know she's one of our uh, members, and she's currently working in Guatemala. And she called me for advice on something, and we were talking. And she mentioned to me, she goes, I've uh, downloaded the app and I've joined too. So I'm reading from Guatemala. I'm right there with you guys. And so that was awesome. And she also says that she listens to the podcast of our sermons every week. She goes to a church in Guatemala. Everything's in Spanish. She's fluent, but she likes to just have, you know, home with her. And so she says when she's cooking dinner throughout the week, she listens to our podcast um, every week. So yes, there are people Paul, thank you, who does our website, podcast, social media, all that stuff. Um, there are people who really listen to our sermons and our podcasts and things like that. So she's reading through the Bible. And then also, as you saw, we're doing the 40 Days of Prayer, this campaign. And I really feel like we really are going back to the basics, reading through the Bible, going back to what is prayer. If your prayer life has been faltering, if, if your prayer life has just not been what you want it to be, this is going to be a fabulous uh, opportunity, fabulous time for us to together as one body go through it together, through the basics. Some of us are great prayer warriors. Some of us are kind of timid about it or still have questions. This is awesome for us to go through together um, and go back to the basics of what is prayer and how do we do it together. And then I loved Pastor Sunny's message when she was here. She is always such a fireball. She runs back and forth. I'm not like that. I'm always right here behind my safe um, podium here. I'm not one to walk around and pace as Pastor Q in your face and stuff. When I used to sit in the front row and, and Pastor Q used to preach at the other uh, elementary schools and stuff like that, I moved because he would spit on me. If you sit in the, that, I think that's why no one sits on the front row here, uh, is because he would talk and I remember drops of spit would hit me. And um, the people right behind me saw it, saw the spit coming down on me. They were cracking up, I still remember. Um, but yes, so I'm not that type of preacher, but Pastor Sunny's message was really, really good. I just felt like it was timely. She was telling us that we have to fight. She was telling us that we have to maintain our positions on the wall, that some of us have gotten tired, some of us feel like we're not needed anymore, some of us feel like there's younger and better people. For whatever reason, you have taken yourself off the wall. And so her message was so fantastic, and it's about being alert, being ready. Get your butts back on the wall and stand. And I particularly remember she was saying, like, the enemy attacks. And her imagery was all from that movie about um, fighting and, and a battle and stuff like that. And she was saying, if attacks are coming to our children's ministry, all the deacons, elders, and people you know, of the church, we should go and form a wall in front of our children's ministry. 
solid wall so that the enemy cannot attack whatever's happening. If there's issues, you know, that's the attack of the enemy and we stand there. If something's happening in our marriages and, and covenant ministry, everybody, even those who are children who are not married, we need to run to that place, stand on the wall, protect, surround it, you know, um, you know the, what, do you, what do you call that when the wagons round up? Is that what it's called? When they kind of circle the wagons, that's what it's called. Circle the wagons around particular ministries and particular groups of people that are being attacked and that we need to stand on the wall for one another. I love, love that imagery. And then Pastor Q last week was continuing and he spoke about it's time to grow up. So I said we need to shore up. He said grow up. It's time for us all to grow up and stop being infants, stop being uh, tossed back and forth, stop being blown here and there by various teachings and by things that may shake us, um, that we need to be more firm, we need to be grounded, we need to grow up and become mature in our faith. Some of us have been going to church our whole lives, as Pastor Q pointed out. Just because we are physically growing, it doesn't mean that we've matured. We could still be operating at a very low mental capacity or emotional you know, EQ. People talk about that, not just the IQ, but emotionally, we may not have fully developed in certain ways. So that was all really, really good stuff. And he spoke out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. We did a series. We went through the book of Ephesians many, many years ago. And so, and um, it's a very, very, it's a short letter, powerful epistle. And he spoke out of Ephesians 4, 14, 15. So today I want to continue with that vein of thought. I want to continue in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to speak about how we as believers, as Christians, as those who profess to be disciples and followers of Jesus, how we are to live in this world among our unbelieving and non-Christian neighbors. How are we to live in this world as Christians among our non-believing, non-Christian neighbors? And we do this by throw off the old and put on the new, Ephesians 4, 17 through chapter 5, verse 2. We do this by throwing off our old self, our old nature, and putting on our new selves, our new nature. So if you guys can open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. We'll stop at verse 24, and as we go, we'll continue the rest. But Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. Normally, I preach from the NIV, but today I'm actually going to be using the NLT, the New Living Translation. So here it is. If you don't have your Bibles or apps with you, we'll read through. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Amen. Notice that how God wants us to live in this world is pretty countercultural. We read about what the world and how culture is today and then how we're supposed to, 
right? Our spirit renews our thoughts and attitudes, and we're supposed to put on this new nature. And it's pretty countercultural. But it was countercultural in Paul's day, too, just like it is today, if not more. I don't know if it was more then or more now, but same, it's countercultural. The culture then, as it is now, is very, very, very corrupt, and it is rampant, and it is only getting worse. People are living for sensuality, for pleasure, for um, just the indulgence of whatever makes them feel good. Uh, there's no um, really right and wrong. Everything is kind of relative, and it's a lot about whatever makes you feel good, long as it doesn't impinge upon my rights, then you're free to do it. Um, you know, it's that kind of society right now. And Paul tells us not to live like the Gentiles do, like the world around us. See how he describes the people that the Ephesian Christians are living among. Verse 18, let me go back to verse 18. This is how he describes them. He says that their minds are full of darkness, they wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. This is what he says about those people who are non-Christians around them. Now, you have to remember that some of these Gentiles actually are very religious people. So it's not that they don't have a religion or that they're not religious. Actually, some of them are quite religious. They regularly went to the numerous temples that were there in Ephesus, and they offered sacrifices. So this God, the Jehovah God, was not their God, but they were religious people. They went to the temples, various temples in Ephesus, and they offered sacrifices. Paul even caused a riot, if you read um, in the Bible, that Paul caused a riot when he was there because the silversmiths, the silversmiths were worried that their occupation and their trade were being undermined by this new religion. Paul is preaching this new religion about Jesus Christ following um, you know, the way, the new life. And the silversmiths in that um, area, they were quite worried. And their occupation, their livelihood, their trade was being undermined. Because you see, people stopped, when they converted and became followers of Christ, what they did was they stopped buying the silver shrines that these silversmiths made, these silver shrines that they normally used to offer sacrifices in. And so you can see when um, the people are converting, they no longer are going to give offering and sacrifices, and they don't need these little statues or shrines anymore, so they stopped buying. And these offerings that they would give were to the god Artemis. And so, again, you can see why the silversmiths in the area um, would be upset about this. Paul continues in verse 19. He says, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. They have no sense of shame. I think that appropriately describes how life is today. I feel like there was a time back in the day when there was some sort of modesty and shame. People knew to feel ashamed about certain things. People understood that certain things were shameful. But I feel like not anymore. Not anymore. It's like almost anything goes kind of mentality. Things are not, things that we once considered shameful and you were to be ashamed of are not shameful anymore. They're, they're very, very proud about certain things. If that was true in Ephesus, then again, it is even more worse today. People are increasingly losing their sensitivity. People are increasingly losing their sensitivity to sinfulness. And I think that it's like a, it, it's a, not a pendulum, it's like a slippery slope 
certain things that you are sensitive to, the more and more you're exposed to it, as you know, whether it be in science or in, in various uh, subject matters, the more you're exposed to something, the less sensitized you become to it. And purity, holiness, um, things that are lovely, righteousness, uh, things that are true or noble, and you know things like that. These are words that we don't use often. We don't use these words anymore. Purity, who talks about purity? Holiness, being set apart. We don't talk about these things, and these words are not very uh, often used. Nothing illustrates our being desensitized to what it says here, every kind of impurity. Nothing illustrates that more than the media, social media, or just entertainment, uh, multimedia, everything that we see visually out there. I remember when certain words couldn't be said on TV. Do you all remember that? There are certain words that weren't allowed to be said on TV, but now I hear them. The, uh, the standards have been relaxed in terms of what is and is not allowed on primetime TV. The more cutting edge and more like risque, you know, kind of the risky TV shows. I remember when I was growing up, they were reserved only for the premium cable channels like HBO or Showtime or things like that. And you had to pay for these premium channels and they had the more, you know, risky, more sexual, more um, kind of cutting edge uh, programming, right? But now, what do you see? These same shows are on just your regular, you know, primetime, regular uh, networks, TV networks, similar shows. And I realize now with Netflix, it's, it's everywhere, anywhere. It could be on your phone, it could be just anywhere you are. It's available to you at any time, any movie, any, um, you know, it's just anywhere and everywhere. It's so pervasive, it's available. Let me tell you something that shocked, um, that shocked me. I only listened to three radio stations in my life. I only listened to three. Three radio stations. You guys know one of them, right? What's the one I always listen to? Yes, WTOP, my friend. WTOP, 24-hour news. You got to get your weather and your traffic on the 8, okay? WTOP, that's what I, you know, school closings and weather and traffic. I love WTOP. In fact, Hoon actually works for uh, his clients, for his handyman, um, uh, is the noontime uh, anchor person. And George Wallace, the sports whatever, he, he does their houses and their families. But anyway, so WTOP, 24 hours, is what I listen to. Secondly, what do you think I would listen to? Yes, thank you, Sarah. WGTS, yes, the Christian station. So I listen to Christian music. And then third, what do I listen to? Emma Maddie, what do I listen to? How do you not know? What's the first thing I do when I come downstairs and I tell Google? What do I say to Google? <laughs> oh, you don't know the name of the city? It's Wash FM. Do you guys know 97.1 W-A-S-H, Wash FM? That's, those are the only three radio stations that I ever, ever, ever listen to at any given time, right? And so my knowledge of music outside of the Christian realm of listening to praise music, worship music, contemporary Christian music, and things like that, and then, you know, the um, WTOP doesn't have music. So my, everything that I know about music outside of the Christian world only comes from 97.1 Wash FM. And Wash FM is like, they call it adult contemporary, the hits of the 80s, 90s, and today um, is what they say, right? And so listening to 97.1 Wash FM, I really like the artists like Pink, or I like Maroon 5. 
Uh, I like, um, who else? But these are artists that I listen to, and I actually really enjoy their music and listen to it all the time. But since I started using Spotify, since I started using Spotify to listen to their songs, I was absolutely shocked to hear profanity in their songs. I was shocked. Like, I'm not even making this up. I was absolutely blown away that there's profanity in the songs that I love singing along to, to Pink's songs, to Maroon 5 songs. And when you look on Spotify and it says, you know, shows the album cover or whatever, it says parental advisory, explicit. And first, when I saw that, I was like, what's explicit about Pink's song, you know, this, or Maroon 5 song? weird and then I listened to it with my kids you know in the room on Google um, thing I was shocked at all the cussing and all the words literally I couldn't believe it I was like wait a minute I've never heard those words in the, in the music that I've ever listened to I had no idea that Wash FM edits their songs did y'all know that know that there was a radio version. I thought that was just the version. That's the only version out there. So I was shocked. I'm listening to it with my kids. And there's like, there's Adam Levy just cussing, cussing in Maroon 5 songs. And even Pink using cuss words. I was horrified. And I was like, Google, stop. You know, hey, Google, stop. And I was like, what is going on here? And I found out that, it, that it's radio version or, or it's edited. And I only know the edited versions, and I just can't listen to the real, the actual versions. I just can't, because to me, that's not the real song. I've only, I only know the edited versions. And so I feel like maybe I, I'm a little bit more different than the average person because you know, people listen to music in all different ways. But because I only listen to those three stations, that is the limit to my music and, and my mind. The music I listen to does not have cuss words in it, in any music, right? And so for me, even to hear a few, you know, um, not even the worst like um, cussing that you would hear on, in different um, music, hip hop or whatever, it was even shocking to me. It was actually so to, to my ears. But sadly, sex, violence, profanity, it's become so commonplace, so commonplace that people think nothing of it when they're watching it or when they're listening to it or reading along, um, um, singing along the lyrics to. People, you don't even think about it. Really, you just kind of sing along or you're watching it. It doesn't really even hit you, hence the desensitization I was talking about. Here's a quote from um, an actor. He's also the director. Any of you, um, don't raise your hand. Any of you guys um, seen the movie? It's a series, Hostel, H-O-S-T-E-L, and I heard that there's a second movie and a third movie. It's a horror movie, a thriller horror thriller movie, and this is a quote from him. He says, when I go see an R-rated horror movie, I want lots of violence. I want nudity, I want sex and violence mixed together. What's wrong with that? It's all pretend, it's all fake. It's just acting, it's just magic tricks. Hopefully we'll get to a point where people realize movies don't cause violence. It just reflects the violence going on in the culture. And this is Eli Roth, he's the director of the movie series Hostel. He's an actor himself too. So since this is our culture, why not watch and enjoy it for entertainment's sake? And some people even argue the evening news is even worse. You talk about violence, people say you, listen, you watch World News Tonight and you see fighting in the Middle East and there's images of, of war and, and there's images of battles going on or you hear on the news um, 
even in WTOP, when they talk about um, uh, crime cases, about child abuse or child molesting or, or things like that, they warn you. The person, the uh, radio person says, if you have children in the room, this may not be suitable for them. They'll warn you, and then they talk about uh, some case where a child was raped or something like that. But this is our culture, so why don't we you know, watch it as entertainment? And we can't get away from it. You're telling us then not to even watch the news and not to be informed about current events because it's in the news as well, is what other people will argue. I went to this um, seminar at the Eco National Conference our denomination conference is a room full of youth pastors and um, other pastors. And the person who was doing the seminar is the director of Plugged In. Have you guys heard of Plugged In? It's the Focus on the Family Ministry. Pluggedin.com, I believe, um, is a website where every video game, every movie, every, I don't think they do books. I think it's just uh, visual stuff. Uh, video games, movies, and, and things like that are reviewed. And they tell you every incidence of a cuss word, every incidence of a, a, a nudity, partial nudity, um, any scenes that might be uh, controversial or scenes that might be inappropriate for kids, even at a, a rated PG. They like actually spell it out for you. They have people who review it so that if your kids want to watch a certain movie, go to pluggedin.com, search the movie, and bam, it tells you, gives you a synopsis and what things might be, uh, you know, uh, a red flag for you. It's a really good website. Anyway, the director of that website and for Focus on the Family was the one who was doing the seminar. And this is, I got this quote from him. It was on the slide that he showed us about how we as Christians are mistaken if we think that entertainment, violence, nudity, and these kind of things, that it's neutral. We are being deceived when we think that it's neutral. Hey, it's just out there. It's, you know, we can't get away from it. Um, hey, you know. We're being deceived because we can make a choice, and it is important for us as Christians. It is important for us not to go along with the crowd and just live and, and consume the, the multimedia, consume the entertainment, and, and all these things that the rest of the world does. This, my friends, is not how we should be living. It's not. And I, I do want to say, and I was wrestling with this because I know that some of you I've never watched it because I'm one of those who cannot stomach violence of any sort. I, I can't watch it. Um, but I know some of you, maybe many of you, watch movies like John Wick or um, other kind of um, violent or, or um, horror movies or violent movies and, and things like that. And so I was like, I don't want to come up here and be like, I'm judging you all. You should never, ever watch it again. Repent now. If you've ever watched Die Hard or if you've ever watched uh, um, any of those things. I, I haven't even watched, um, what is it, Terminator series. I, I tend not to watch rated R violence movies. Um, yes, you know, and I didn't want you all to be like sitting, oh man, she's talking to me, <laughs> you know, and feel kind of about it. But I do want to say that be discerning. I think we need to be discerning with our consumer, with our dollars, and what we pay for, what we consume in terms of movies and music and entertainment and, and things like that. So I will just leave it there. But let's look at verses 20 through 24. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. This is not how we should be living. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. 
Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The original Greek word that's translated to throw off, let me go back, that's translated here, throw off in the NLT, and translated put off in the NIV, it literally means to strip off. The Greek, the original Greek word, it really translated, and what it means is to strip off. It's a term used in reference to clothing. And various other times in various literature of that time, if you see the same Greek word that's used, that's translated throw off or um, put off, is talking about clothes. And it's talking about stripping off. And Paul chooses to use this very specific Greek word about stripping off. And he, the same thing with put on. If you see the word put on, your new nature. It's a very visual image, and it's something that everyone does. So when he talks about stripping off your clothes and putting on clothes, it's something everyone's familiar with. It's something everyone does every day, um, and it's a clothing term in the original Greek. Think of a time when you were absolutely filthy. Think of a time when you guys absolutely, from head to toe, you were super, super dirty, maybe sweaty, dirty, maybe you fell into something, maybe you played football out in the rain, in the mud, uh, tough mudder, maybe, um, I don't know, but something where you were super, super dirty. Maybe you were doing uh, work outside, manual labor, landscaping when it's like 100 degrees and you're out there with bugs, gnats, and sweat, ugh, all that kind of stuff. Now, what's the first thing that you do when you get home? Shower, well, at least I hope so. Shower. That's the very first thing you should be thinking of. The first thing that you want to do when you get home is you can't wait to get into a hot shower. You can't wait to scrub yourself clean. You can't wait to, um, you know, just scrub off all that and to put on fresh, dry clothes. The best feeling in the world after being that dirty and that sweaty and stinky and stuff, the best feeling in the world is washing off all that filth. Some of the things that we're to strip off, let's look here. Beginning with verse 25, beginning with verse 25, we're to strip off. We're supposed to strip off lies. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. We're to strip off anger. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. We are to strip off theft or stealing. And this includes stealing things from the office. This includes stealing things from, you know. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. We're to strip off the use of foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So after we strip off these things, lies and um, strip off lies, strip off anger, strip off stealing, or strip off um, use of offensive language, things like that. These are all things included in our old nature. We're to put on fresh new things, such as starting in verse 32. Oh, I'm sorry, there was more. We're supposed to get rid of and take off bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, verse 31 all types of evil behavior. These are the things that we're to strip off and just take off and scrub off of us, right? And so then, starting in verse 32, these are the things, the fresh new things that we're to put on. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted or compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. 
Now, the great temptation for many of us, or the mistake that I think that we often make, is to try and put on fresh, clean clothes over the dirty, stinky, filthy ones that we have on, and just to cover it up. Do you know what I mean by that? Even the image of that should make you cringe. Why would anyone do that? If you're dirty, stinky, sweaty, and stuff like that, you would not put on fresh, clean, good clothes over that. Who would do that? Why would you even do that? You would first take off everything, scrub it off, clean, bathe, wash, and then put on the new stuff, right? But I think the temptation for many of us is to just cover it up and kind of put on the facade and put on the face of we're good, we're holy, we're righteous, I make good decisions, you know, kind of thing. But underlying, we're filthy and dirty because we have not taken the time to scrub it off, we've not taken the time to take it off and to strip off what was underneath part of our old nature. So who would do that? It seems like a very simple principle, but it's crucial that we remember before we put on the new, we must strip off the old, the sinful habits and the behaviors that go with that. And that's the hard part. It's difficult because it takes hard, spiritual, hard work to root it out instead of simply covering them up. You know, a lot of times, like um, weeds and things like that, if you just cut off the top of the weed, what happens? It's going to grow back, you know? And a lot of times, with a lot of things in life, you've got to actually go to the root and get rid of the root, pull it out by its roots or it's just going to grow again. To really cleanse it and get it out and once and for all, you got to get to the root and pull it out. In that same way, we can't just cover it up, but it takes the spiritual hard, the hard work of rooting it out, naming it, repenting from it, um, going after it, being very conscious of it, the hard work of actively, always being active and going after those things and not just covering it up. And if it was simply based on our own human efforts, we would all fail. Based on our own human efforts, none of, us would, were, none of us would succeed because we're far too weak. Matthew 26, 41 says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, or the body is weak. We all know that verse. We quote it all the time, maybe multiple times a day. Yes, my spirit is willing, ah, but my flesh, my flesh is weak, right? So we, we must begin with our spirit and with our mind. Verse 23 says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. A renewal of our thoughts and attitudes can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Only by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us. Zechariah 4, 6 says, this is another very, very famous, well-known uh, verse that many Christians quote all the time. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It is God and God's spirit that comes to dwell in us because we are the temple of, of the Holy Spirit, that because of the Holy Spirit in us, that we can renew our thoughts and renew our attitudes. Like Romans chapter 12, 2, you know, do not, be trans do not be conformed to the things and the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that can only happen 
through the Holy Spirit in us. It's not through self-discipline. It's not through the latest self-help book or self-help seminars or DIY, the do-it-yourself methods of, of cleansing or, or anything that you do. That's not how we're going to renew our minds. It's only by the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Because I have the Holy Spirit in us, I am sensitive to certain things. That's why it makes me cringe. It's not just your subconscious. You have to name it. It's the Holy Spirit living in me. And so that when I see things that are, whether it be evil, whether it be um, not appropriate, whether it's, you know, there's something in me that, ugh, you know, sometimes will make the hair on my arms uh, rise up or it makes me cringe a little bit and it makes me uncomfortable. You know, when I hear people, whether it be in the public place or, you know, even friends who are coarse choking or saying certain things and it makes me really uncomfortable, I don't chalk it up to, oh, I'm just trying to be a good moral girl. I'm just trying to be, you know, proper. It's not that, but there's something in me that I'm not alone. The Holy Spirit in me is cringing. The Holy Spirit in me is whispering and saying, this is not right. This is not appropriate. This is not of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us sensitive to sin. What is sin? The definition of sin, you can't have the definition of sin without putting God into it. Sin is anything that is against God, right? It's, I'm not sinning against Pastor Q if, if I do him wrong or do whatever, because he's not God. I'm just, I'm just doing him wrong, or I'm just whatever. But it's because sin is sin because it's something that goes against God. And so it is the Holy Spirit, it is God that causes us to be sensitive to things that are against him, against his nature. So how often, let me ask you, how often does a person need to strip off the old? How often does a person need to strip off the old and put on the new? Well, let me ask you, how often do you shower? How often do you change your clothes? Martin Luther, um, the great Protestant reformer, he talked about a daily baptism, a daily washing of our sins. That is not just a one-time done deal type of thing, but it's a daily baptism, a daily washing of our sins. Um, Luke quotes Jesus, the apostle Luke, quotes Jesus saying that we must take up our cross daily. That is not just a once and done thing. So it's not that we, and not even a once a day thing, because there are some people that will take multiple showers in a day, and some people, if you have kids, especially little girls, who will change their clothes multiple times a day. You all know what I'm talking about if you have little girls. I don't know why. They change their clothes multiple times, from princess outfit to this to that. And so there are people who shower, I know Pastor Q showers multiple times a day. <laughs> he says he thinks better in the shower, right? So when he has like a, um, a mind, like a block, you know, he likes to shower and, and he thinks better there. But yeah, so multiple, some people, multiple showers a day, multiple changes of clothing a day. It's however, however, but it's not a one time and done thing. Now, I want to say a word about verse 26 and 27. Verse 26 and 27 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. This is another well-known uh, Bible text. Anger that is uncontrolled and unchecked leads to things such as bitterness, rage, um, um, revenge, hatred, all these things. It leads to that unchecked and uncontrolled um, anger. It really can and it does give Satan, it does give the devil a foothold into our lives. It really does. I remember Pastor, he was talking about Pastor Shen. I love Pastor Shen. 
I remember what Pastor Shin said about anger and bitterness. Do you guys remember? I will never forget it. It's always stuck with me, and I always you know, remind myself of it. Pastor Shin said, he said, having bitterness or anger towards another person is like you drinking poison and hoping that the other person will die. Having bitterness or anger towards another person is really like you drinking poison but hoping that the other person will die. Oftentimes, when you're bitter and anger at this other person, they don't even know it. They don't even care. They're going on with life. They don't know you're angry. They don't know you're harboring a grudge and anger and bitterness, and you can't even look at them. They may not know, right? They're okay with life. They're going on. It's you. You're rotting. Your, your heart is shriveling and, and you know, just this anger and bitterness that you're holding in you. It's you drinking the poison, but in the meantime, you're cursing and hoping that person will die and that they'll shrivel up, but it's really your soul. You're really hurting yourself. And he said this also because Pastor Shin, as you know, moves in the gifts of healing. And in Seattle, and when he's praying for people for breakthrough, for physical healing to come, he has said this too. He has found often, more often than not, he has found that at the core or root of many physical illness is bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness unforgiveness. If you've worked with Pastor Shin and you come to him and say, oh, I need healing for this physical uh, illness or this physical ailment or disease, oftentimes what he will lead you to is, is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? And you're like, what? I'm telling you, I have a pain in my shoulder. Can you lay hands and pray for this pain in my shoulder? Is there someone that you need to forgive? You know, and he says more often than not, it is this, some sort of uh, something that's un, that's not that needs to be broken, some sort of uh, unforgiveness or something that you're holding on to, some kind of anger that's kind of you know, people say psychosomatic or you know, but yes, those kind of feelings and things that you're holding up, it will manifest itself in your body and in various aches and pains or illnesses and things like that. And so again, as I said, certainly, certainly, uncontrolled anger. It will give Satan a hold in your life. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, it will give him a hold. So get it out of your system. Get it out of your system and strip it off. Strip it off. Throw it off. Take it off. Put it off. Whatever, whatever you need to do. Paul continues in verse 29 saying, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, I know this is hard, and I'm guilty of it too. Although I don't really cuss, um, I told you about the one time I did use the F word really loudly in front of my kids, right? I told you about that? When there was a, a yellow jacket, a bee in the car, and I was driving on Rockville Pike, and the bee was buzzing around. Uh, this is when Emma and Maddie were really young, and they were strapped in a car seat, and the bee was buzzing around Maddie's face, and then Maddie started to cry. She's like, ah! She's crying, and you know, they're really, really young. And I looked in the rear view mirror and I saw the yellow jacket, it was like landing on her, and I was like, oh my gosh! And I just pulled off in the middle of the road on Raffle Pike, I still remember. And then I got out, and then I first I rolled the window down. It's a minivan, I rolled the back window down, hoping it'll fly out, and it wouldn't. So I pulled over, and then I got out, and I opened the door, but it's a sliding um, door. And when I opened it, and I was reaching into Maddie, it was, I parked on like an incline sort of, so the door slid down and slammed into my shoulder and I pushed the door open and I was reaching for Maddie. The door would keep sliding down and hitting me and it wasn't latching and so I was like, what the? <laughs> What's wrong with this door? I screamed. 
ashamed. I'm trying to save my child from a bee sting. And I got really, really, and, you know, they were really young. Hopefully they don't remember this. But, um, and then later when I got home, I told who, and I was like, something's wrong with our door. What is wrong with that door? But I found that it's a safety feature. When the window is down in the back seat of the minivan, when the window's not fully closed, it doesn't latch. The, the minivan door doesn't latch. It, it, um, anyway. So, um, what was I saying? Okay, so I don't often cuss. <laughs> I don't, uh, but we are guilty of foul or abusive language, um, and I am too, not just in that one instance, but in my anger, things that I may say, things that, um, especially, I have road rage, especially when I'm driving, especially when I'm driving behind someone with a WGTS sticker on their car. <laughs> uh, it's always, they have a WGTS sticker on their car. You, who understands what I'm saying? Yeah, you understand, right? WGTS sticker. Um, I drive by, bless you, bless you, as I cut in front of them. But um, So I do get angry, and I'm sure that we are guilty of foul or abusive language. And everything that I say is not always good. It's not always helpful or, or encouraging. But again, this is a reminder to us. I think we do need to hear it that we are to be different from others in this world. You know, people think, ah, it's just words. You know, cussing, it's not a big deal. Like I said, it's in lyrics. You hear it all the time. It's on TV. Who doesn't cuss? And we just think nothing of it. But what I'm saying is, why not? Think about it. These are choices that we can make. It seems really small. But from our, our heart and the words that come from our mouth, it shows what's in our hearts. It's from the wellspring of our souls, the things that come out. So I, I really do need to repent about the, the driving and road rage, because that's what's in my heart. I'm so angry at slow drivers. I don't know what that's about. I, I need, you know, so-so for that. But slow drivers make me crazy. But there, maybe there's something about that that I need to take it to God. Holy Spirit, I need to ask, seriously, why do I get so angry at slow drivers? And and try to work through that and let it go. And again, it's something very minor. Some of you are thinking, oh, there's a whole much bigger issues I have than getting angry at slow drivers. But for me, it's huge. Because my kids are in the car and they hear me getting so upset at slow drivers. We know the power that words can have. Verbal abuse is sometimes much worse than physical abuse. Sometimes it takes longer to heal and recover from verbal, constant verbal abuse than it is for a black eye to heal or some sort of physical abuse to heal. It takes longer for, for um, this mental abuse to heal. We're to use words to build others up, to encourage, not to discourage or tear people down. There's an old West African proverb, and the West African proverb goes like this. When a man steps into the center of the circle to dance and no one claps, he will soon tire and sit down. But if everyone claps, he will dance all night. That's so cute. I just pictured this in my mind. How true is that? If someone, if a man steps in the circle to dance and no one claps, he will get tired and he will sit down. But if everyone claps, he will dance all night. We just get renewed energy. We are just, you know, when there's encouragement, when there, someone's being supportive and just saying a kind word, it just really encourages us to go farther and, and, and to, to endure and it's just, it's so encouraging. We need to clap for one another. We need to build each other up with words of encouragement and support. And finally, and I'm going to try to close here. Finally, we come to the core of today's text, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 
Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. The core motivation for all Christian behavior is our love and desire to follow and imitate our God, our Heavenly Father. That is the core motivation. It's not so that I look righteous in front of you. It's not so that I just can, for the fact of being a better person. It's not even just so that I can be a better example to Emma and Maddie, my children. No, the core motivation is because of our love and desire of our Lord, of, of God, our Heavenly Father. We all know how children love to imitate parents. It's actually quite unnerving, especially when they imitate things that we don't want them to imitate. You all know what I'm talking about? It's quite unnerving. But children love to imitate their, their parents. I remember when Emma was, she must have been two or three years old, two or three years old. She was really young. And she would take the plastic um, fruits and plastic toys that they play with, like plastic donut, plastic banana, apple, or whatever that you play, kitchen play with. Anyway, she was like barely walking. She must have been, yeah. And she would walk around and pace with a banana, plastic banana to her ear, to the side of her you know, face. And then she was just like, bad, 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 bad. She couldn't even talk then. She was just babble and she would walk around. And I'm like, what is she doing? And I, I actually thought I was like, something wrong with her? Because she, she's just, you know, babbling, but walking, pacing back and forth, back and forth with a plastic fruit attached to her, to her head. And it was that I realized I saw Hun doing it. Hun's walking back and forth. He paces when he talks on the phone. He, you will never see Hun sitting down and talking. He paces. He can't sit still. He walks around when he, when he talks on the phone. I realized that Emma was imitating Hun and what he does when he's talking on his cell phone, just pacing. And I also remember once when Emma, again, it's always Emma. I don't know where Aunt Maddie is. But um, another time, Emma, she lines up her dolls in the corner of the room. She has stuffed animals and little dolls. She lines them up in the corner of the room, and then she says, Tama, Tama, Tama. And I'm like, what the heck is Tama? What do you think it is? Time out. She's saying time out. So when we give them time out, and again, this is when they couldn't speak English. Um, their grandmother and a Korean nanny raised them, so you know, they just couldn't speak English. So she only speaks Korean, and so and her pronunciation is up, but she was saying, Tama, Tama. And I was like, what is she yelling at her dolls and stuff? You know? But it's time out. She's telling them time out, because that's what we do, did to Emma Maddie, was we would say, you need to go to the corner and time out. And she's doing that to her animals, as her toys as well. Children want to be like their parents. They watch, they learn, and they imitate. It comes naturally. It's very instinctive for them to want to imitate. They do what they see. So we, too, must naturally imitate our Heavenly Father, the, the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. Since we are his children, since we are his beloved, it says here, because you are his dear children, because we are his dear children, I want to imitate my father. I want to see and watch and then do what he does, or Lord Jesus does. So we too must naturally, instinctively imitate. We must strip off the old and put on the new. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As the praise team comes up, and I wanted to um, say this to you, think about, we're still in the beginning of the new year, so to think about what is it that you need to strip off? 
What is it that you need to take off and to put off and to put away? Pastor Q, this morning when we were praying together, he said when he heard the word strip off, he said he was thinking about paint. When you paint and there's old wallpaper or old paint on there, you need to strip it off first before you put the fresh coat of paint or else it's going to just ruin it. You might as well have not done it in the first place. You just ruin it. So again, instead of just covering it up, what is it? We need to do the hard work. What is it that you need to strip off? We're still talking about shoring up our foundations. If you are now starting to see the cracks in the foundation, if you've done that home inspection and you started to see some of these things like, oh, I've never read through the Bible. Oh, I don't pray often enough. Oh, I'm not meditating on scripture. If you're starting to see some, some cracks and breaks in the foundation and you want to shore it up and you're starting to see the Holy Spirit, God is revealing to you some things, habits, behaviors, thought patterns of your old self that you need to strip off, that you need to put away once and for all, now's the time to do it. We're still in February. Now's the time to ask Holy Spirit. In fact, let's do that now. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Overwhelm us, God, with your presence. Clearly speak to our hearts. Bring to mind behaviors, thoughts, words, actions, things, God, that are not of you, things that are hindering, things that are giving the enemy, the devil, a foothold in my life. God, would you reveal to me clearly things that I need to strip away, things that I need to do the hard work of rooting out once and for all, to put away these behaviors and attitudes and thoughts, to root it out, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit lives in me. This body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we ask that you would reveal it to us, that we would have the courage and strength to remove it, to put it far from us, God, and say that we are a new creation, and say, God, that we want to put on the new things, to be imitators of our Lord Jesus Christ, to walk in this new life, God, this victorious life, Lord. Father, may we be careful of the things that our ears hear, of the things that our eyes see. Help us to be discerning. Help us to have wisdom in the choices that we make every day, God, for ourselves, for our children, for my household, for my community. Father, help us to be discerning. Help us to ask of you, Lord, when we are unsure. And may the Holy Spirit in us speak to us, nudging us, whispering to us, God, in the way that we should go, in the choices that we have, God. May that be, Lord. So would you reveal it to us even now? Even now, God, you're working in us to rid of those things, to rid ourselves of those things, God. And we are so grateful for the victory that we have in you, God. That you have come, and God, that you have overcome. And so, Lord, we thank you, and we say amen to that victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together.